Welcome to After Credits here on the Intercut Podcast channel, where we review a new movie, including everything that comes after the credits. I'm your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he will eat more than he deserves and less than he wants. It's Arturo Zurita. Had it had to go all fancy with it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is not, these aren't the clearest Pinky grapes. It's just wa- yeah, water <laughs> in a glass in honor of the menu. <laughs> yes, uh, one of the most delectable films of the year for mm. sure. At least from the on-screen presentation, a lot of scrumptious uh, food photography in this film. A really interesting movie uh, that is a lot of things. Uh, the film follows a couple that travels to a private island to eat at an exclusive restaurant among the elite where a chef has prepared them a tasting menu with a few surprise courses. Art, the menu is a film that is partly a satire, it's partly a horror film, it's partly a thriller, and partly a few other things too. Does the menu balance its disparate dishes well, or did some flavors overpower the meal it really just depends on the chef who's making it you know i would say Mm -hmm. or what you're looking to eat that day i think it definitely is more so on the side of not being the little tiny food that you're going you know it almost (laughs) pitches itself as it's this very michelin star restaurant but it understands the uh delicacy the uh what a good cheeseburger can really just provide for you, just fast foodness. <laughs> you know, a lot of these restaurants are known for the very high end prices only for you to en- enjoy what whatever they give you. And then you're still stuck wanting to go to Popeye's or wherever else afterwards. Right. This is one where I think it understands what regular audiences, normal movie going audiences want. But there mm-hmm. is elements of it where because it comes from the writers of succession, I kind of feel like they know how to write rich people a lot better than they know how to write the working man and we'll see that as we get more deeper into it but it's so apparent that this comes from the uh, two screenwriters who have worked on the onion they've done stuff from the new yorker and such but it's specifically their work at the onion that they were they were there for like a long time they were staff writers where they ended up going to this restaurant on one of their days that's here in chicago known as alinea now, I don't know if you've heard about this restaurant, yeah, Zach, but in the movie, uh, I believe it's twelve fifty per head. Alina, you know, you get a bang for your buck. A thousand thirty, you get yeah, too all inclusive. You know, it's very modest. Uh, but they were uh they had the ability to go to this restaurant and try all of this crazy, weird food, in particular this one that's always stood out to me, as you look at different things here, that you could see clearly inspired the menu when they went to go to it. Yeah. It's like cloud food. It's taking uh, and deconstructing food to its core. You know, molecular it's really gastronomy. All about. There you go. I believe that's what they call it, and it, that's really what the movie's talking about when it's saying these words of mouthfeel and such. They mm-hmm. got it from this one establishment, and that's what led them into kind of breaking down this idea of like, how can we make this oh, sort of a microcosm of everybody in the world, totally. and putting them in this one place. How would that dictate how we kind of see different class structures and such? Right. And I think it does it as good as it possibly can. Yeah, the thing that it reminded me of was Blue Hill at Stone Barns, which is this extremely fancy restaurant out here in the New York area run by this chef who's appeared on Chef's Table, uh, Dan Barber, Mm. uh, who he has this whole... 
whole property of many, many acres out in upstate New York where on the property they farm the animals and they 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 cultivate the vegetables and everything that they can they make within their 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 means and then they present it at this restaurant and, and you know you get a lot of that kind of very like considered and fancy take on restaurant culture for that but it's also reminds me of him because of all these allegations allegations that have come out about oh, wow. the the atmosphere at those restaurants and the extremely destructive nature of of those kitchens and how intense mm-hmm. the pressure is and that's one of the things that i think is one of the more interesting parts of the menu is really trying to poke at restaurant culture and the kind of cult of personality that develops around certain chefs. There's a literal cult that essentially develops around Chef Slovak, the Ray Fiennes character in this film, in that all these all these sous chefs and assistants are, are all working in unison to make his plan come yeah. together. It's a fascinating... And even some of the guests? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's a it's a pretty fascinating setup for a movie. I really loved living in that world for for a film and and taking the part and you know, looking at all these dishes and the food photography is absolutely excellent in the film. Yeah, it, it I think it's a really great setting for the world. I don't know if all of the satirical elements fully landed for me, and I also don't know if it was as thrilling as some other thrillers out there, but there's still just so much to chew over and, and think about that I, I think I still had a really solid time with this one. You've uh, maxed your puns on, on the food. <laughs> uh, this is definitely a movie where you're, you're going to love the food that they showcase because they totally. actually got a Michelin star person to come in and create all of these dishes. Yeah. There is a jab as we get a little bit closer to spoilers. This little tiny one right here is about how we uh, see people who have gone to this restaurant a multitude of times. They've been there right. like 11 times and such. And what's funny to think about is that everybody on this set was eating these Michelin star meals way more than 11 times, right? And they said that the way that they approach this, which I think is what makes the movie really interesting, is that everybody who's a part of the cast is sitting there, even if it's not their day to film. Meaning mm-hmm. that not only do they get to eat, but if anybody is doing anything uh, outside of the normal, they have to be in the back to react to it. So a lot of what you see in the movie ends up being improv. Ralph Fiennes comes in as this person, who, and he really becomes him because I heard that there are deleted scenes where he's making the guests do a lot of other things. There's like a dance sequence that didn't mm. make the final cut. There are moments where you're following some of the people in the background, and if they do something, if they decide to yell, they need everybody's reaction to make it feel more lived in. I think that's a really interesting way to approach the ensemble, especially when you're dealing with a movie where the chef, uh, the director, feels like everything's been too reverse shot and it's become a little too bland and that that's mm-hmm. the way to like spice it up. And I thought it, it, it builds for some interesting moments, even if it personally for me made me question why some people were there or didn't take right. different courses of action. Yeah, the production design of the movie in general is excellent. Like, you really do feel like you've been transported to this extremely elite restaurant and and resort, essentially. And it does really feel like one of those fancy kitchens. And I think also lends itself well to staying visually dynamic because 
you don't have, like you said, just sort of a shot reverse shot. Yeah. You have this full environment that's moving and active and there's constantly stuff happening in this film. One of the things that I liked about it is the way that it would kind of sort of drift from table to table and you wouldn't even yeah. get like the whole conversation. You'd kind of get snippets of a lot of different people's conversations which sort of, it almost feels like overhearing things when you're seated at a restaurant. There is yeah. that cast of characters that you mentioned, a pretty eclectic array of of people that they've brought in. And if you'll forgive one last restaurant pun, that's one of the places oh. where I thought the f movie, I, I wish the movie would have taken a little more time to sharpen its knives because it does feel like there, it has some righteous contempt for sycophants and investment bankers and, and art critics, but the way it yeah. tries to shoehorn in some of the people into Chef Slovik's master plan feels almost like like mean, not righteously angry. And and I agree I with think you. It, it could have just been it's just one of those things where maybe the film would have felt a little bit sharper if it felt a little bit more precise there. I feel you. It's like succession that's really calling out the rich, where here it's like, are you really calling out a system while you're profiting from sets. I mean, being able to go to a linear ain't that cheap to begin with, right? right? And being able to have a Michelin star restaurant there at your disposal for the whole shoot. I don't know how it plays, but for the most part, I think it's a really good metaphor for yes. any art form. You know, they look at the chef as an art form because when they went to a linear, the chef who ran that place went back to the onion with them. And sat there at the AV club to see how they moved. And he said that that's when they got the initial idea for it. When they realized, oh, he treats it like an art form. Let me viewpoint. Let me see his viewpoint on how he does this. Going through the different characters, though, as we get more into spoilers to see how this master yeah, plan works Yeah, do we want to officially say this is the, the spoilers mark right yeah. here? And from, we both from, recommend seeing the movie, even if we have some out. small problems out there. It's a very good time. Yeah. I know there's no substitution, Zach. There was a little <laughs> things here and there that we might have changed, but Absolutely. getting into Let's full get into spoilers, it. go out, go out into the theaters if you want to see it. Our, our first two, right? The, you really get introduced into this story by these two right here, Nicholas Holt and Anya Taylor Joy's character. Totally. Tell me that they're both Mad Max alums now at this point. <laughs> and what's interesting about them is that she's there by accident. Right. He is the rich boy, the the big fan nerd, if you will, who really has been following the chef to a degree that I would compare it to a director who gets sick and tired of those film nerds who know every little thing about them. They're taking the pictures that they shouldn't mm -hmm. there. They think that they could do everything except when it comes to them being on set, they would not be able to replicate it. Anya, however, plays a completely different side in where she's there by accident. The person who mm -hmm. was supposed to be there got sick or you know, they broke up, wasn't allowed to go, and thus she fills in that spot. Yeah. When you have Anya's, Anya's character, she is a person who, because she's the only one there, without the preconceived notions of what everything else is supposed to be, she builds right. a connection to the chef. Yes. And when you get to the chef, you end up realizing that this is a person who's gone way, way back when it comes to this craft. And again, connecting it to the director, I think there comes a point where you reach a level of excellence that it plateaus. You right. can't really escalate to the next level. It's just about maintaining whatever you were able to reach. And at totally. a certain point, it starts degrading at you. All of the other pieces that come into play are kind of like a film set, right? He has that one producer who comes in and while he's giving him the funding, you know, he's the angel investor. He's also the one who's causing him to change the stuff. Just like a producer right. would tell you, you got the funding, you need to change certain things. You have the tech bros who really are just doing what the producer wants. 
that they think that they're this profound part of the studio system that is yeah. doing something special and you can't call and they them also, out. So. They, they also feel like they deserve special treatment just for being the money guys. Exactly. That That's sort of a lot of the movie's sort of critiques of the people, of the, the, the various elites who show up, is that Chef Slovik is is got has gotten to a point in his career where as you were mentioning you you get to a certain point and you're kind of just repeating your greatness you know he's he's perfected his craft to the point where he's no longer serving food to people who even care about the food they care about the status of going to this elite restaurant they they care about the chance to observe greatness up close and maybe become friends with them or something. They, they care about trying to show off that they met the chef at one point or that they have some kind of relationship with them. And it's all become about everything except for the food. Yep. Even some of the other ones, you have John Leguizamo's character who, <laughs> in the credits, he is just the actor. I thought that was funny. He's a movie yeah. actor. And you realize early on when he enters, he's saying a lot of his old lines from the 90s. And all the tech boys are like, oh, yeah, it's that guy from, like, 98. I haven't seen any of his movies since. And you realize slowly that the relationship that he's in with the assistants... I had to find this behind the scenes. I was like, why? That was one of the issues that I had. I was like, what did she do wrong? Like, if you could find right. Anya it's, as it, being safe... What made her so despicable? Because she went right. to Brown but got it paid for? Exactly. That's one of the parts where I feel like the movie could have been a little bit more clear or at least more direct in what it's criticizing. Like, yeah, if you want to, you can totally criticize like trust fund babies or people who've had their education paid for it. The way they did it was such a drive-by that it feels cheap. Yes. Yeah. And let me let me tell you what fixes it and then how that creates another problem. Yeah. She, the actress came out and said she is the daughter of the head of the studio. Where is that in the movie? That's nowhere in the movie though. That then allows you to answer the question. Oh, okay. So she isn't a nobody. She is there for that. She's a nepotism baby. Yeah. Yeah, She actually is a nepotism baby. Then why was she skimming off the top? (laughs) Right. And that's where you get to like, uh, yeah, it kind of starts clashing, you know, the ingredients are clashing with each other. and it's funny because I think there's a couple things like this that we do want to point out, but these are not things that kept us from enjoying the film. I think it's just the things that kept it from maybe being like a, a, a step greater or maybe yeah. for me, at least one of the best of the year. I think it's below uh-huh. that tier. There's like this this plan that it needs to hit. And even when it deviates, instead of creating something crazy, it's like, no, we must get back to this plan. There are several yeah. sequences as well where you have like an incident where they think they're about to be saved, but they're not really. And in retrospect, yeah. while it's a cool twist in the moment, it makes you think, you guys planned for this? What a random sequence of events that needs to lead to them getting there, right? Yeah. Like, it, it, it means that someone needs to find the machine to call the person, and they need to be in the room. To It's a lot of loopholes that it needs to get to. It's almost like a joke. A lot of conveniences, yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's supposed to be that. This is a guy who goes to painstakingly crazy degrees to get everything on the menu the way that it needs to be. Yeah. One of the other characters that I wanted to bring up here was the couple. You had mentioned them as being the the ones who eat everything, but never remember it. And yeah. I think of uh, a lot of these festivals that we've gone to, we go to them and you see a lot of the, um, the funding people. Just recently, I went to one for uh, Fableman's and it was crazy to see, like it was press and then everybody else was just like, 
the money people, the, the donors people who have given to the Chicago, the donors. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. And the way that they get treated to make sure that everything is comfortable. The, I've never seen them change the temperature, Zach, at a theater. It is crazy the moves that people make for them, mm-hmm. only for them to not really care. You know, they're throwing the money at you. The critics yeah. who, uh, as are brought up in the movie, who can decide whether someone makes it or doesn't make it. And sometimes mm-hmm. the critic who thinks that they know the right word, even though they have the assistant who's kind of telling them exactly what it should be. It's a really, all the pieces are there. And like I said, sometimes they force them to to come together in a way that may sometimes clash with each other. Yeah. One fun fact that I did have for the movie star, he said it was based off of... uh, Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal, because he said he got bullied by him in the 90s on a set and that he wanted to get back at him. And this was his way of making him look like a chump up on screen, so... Again, that, that's because of a lot of the improv that they were allowed to do within the movie that I think is able to create fun instances when you're watching the film. But again, it makes it feel like a lot of weird characters. For me, I didn't understand why all of his own chefs wanted to kill themselves. Right. With the master plan being that, I see him reaching a plateau. Exactly. I didn't get why everybody else would. And there's a lack of curiosity about them as well, which almost feels yes. hypocritical about the movie. Yeah, we do eventually talk to one of his sous chef, uh, chefs in a little bit more detail, the the woman who he came on to. And that was like mm-hmm. a fun twist of sort of indicting himself along with indicting all of his customers. But at the same time, like, I, I agree with you. I don't know why all of them have reached the point of wanting to get in on this mass suicide, this Jonestown-like event. And yeah, if you're trying to make a case about, make a point about the cult of personality of these, you know, rock star chefs, maybe there's something there, but I also feel like they didn't establish that within the film in a way that felt satisfying there, at at least. Agree. Uh, Do you also feel, just in regards to like the plan and everything, the other thing that I felt was a little bit off with the film is I felt like it went from things are feeling a little bit weird here to this is got spiraled out of control really fast. I, I, I would yeah. have preferred a little bit more of a gradual buildup. In doing that, I feel like what they're relying on is that you have a lot of the people who think that it's all a show for them. Like something happens and right. the critics go, oh, this is such a crazy present. You guys are really good actors for yeah. us. The rich people just look the other way. Like there's this idea that with all the bad that happens in the world, it's very easy for this particular set of people to just ignore it and dismiss it, live in bliss. Right. So again, I get the metaphor. Yeah. I feel they would have left, right? A lot of these people, are, they, they would have ran out of it. You have moments where they're trying to break out. But there's this, there's one line that he gives where he's like, you guys could have left at any point in time. And I was like, I I don't know. I guess maybe. I feel like these people are rich enough and yeah, important they, enough that they need to be back at a certain time. But okay. The, the one senator did try to leave and was stopped. So I, I don't know mm-hmm. how true that is. Exactly. You know, yeah. It's it's supposed to be two things at once. But yeah, I, I think definitely Anya Taylor-Joy is the standout for the movie. She is the anchor. Mm-hmm. And at one point I heard that they were thinking of casting Emma Stone. Do you think that changes the movie for you? Mm, I mean, I think Emma Stone is maybe a little harder to buy in the role of, like, the random girl who just showed up, if that makes sense. I I feel like she commands a little more attention in, in the types of roles she takes. 
Although I do like her and I I could see it working for sure. Mm -hmm. I think tonally it made it make more sense. I feel like a lot of the movie is a comedy and then it cuts to uh, Anya's character and it's like, no, like, is she going to be able to get out of here? And it's in those moments that she brings that levity to it. And I started thinking, wait a minute, would it have kept that consistent joking manner over here with the tech bros? If we cut to Emma Stone and her delivery of the lines would have... Would have bounced off of um, Nicholas Holt, Holt's, Holt's character a lot differently than Anya's. Like, I hear that, yo, yeah. she's being she's being disrespected here, as opposed to with Emma Stone. Not that you don't think she's being disrespected, but you're wondering how she's going to play off of her. Right. And Anya had mentioned that there is a sequence where she uh, gets physical, and she's like, "That wasn't in the script. I told him I think she should do something." And even with that note, the director was like, "So like this?" She's like, "No." vicious like let my feral side come out so um i like what she brings to the table but i think that's where a lot of people were confused i've seen people come out saying uh was i supposed to laugh at certain points was was i supposed to do this and i think that's a sign of an interesting movie you know not one that hand holds you but maybe one that that's tonally in a lot of different places and may confuse people because the writers are way ahead of the audience yeah I, I particularly liked Ray Fiennes in this role. I think there's just a, a subtleness to his character that he's not necessarily going to reveal all of his feelings and all of his thoughts, but you can kind of read into it by the little twitches in his expression. And I think it's a it takes a really great actor to give you a kind of role like that. Were there any mm-hmm. of the other a- actors in the film, maybe some of the smaller parts that stood out to you? Hunk's character, she's fantastic. Her delivery and aligns your your opening tagline as well. I love that line. Uh, Her tortilla one. (laughs) These are tortillas. (laughs) The whole bit, it's fantastic. Um, Even you know she's been in some death taxes and Hong Chao giving the best performance in a movie. It's just yeah, she's never going to be bad in a movie. You know, there's been movies I've been trying to snooze that she's been in. Yeah, she's great in it. She's she's always innocent. She's great. Yeah, fantastic. Did not deserve Uh, to go out the way she did. Yeah, yeah, a, a little bit Mark underwhelming win that and one for her one. character, too. I haven't seen yeah. Furiosa yet, but I, she'd win that one. <laughs> yeah, this was pre-Furiosa training, so she should have yeah. had it. Oh, that's a prefix right there. I really liked Arturo Castro, a guy that we've seen pop up in a lot of TV shows, and I think he gets like one of the very fun comedic relief roles here. It, it's just cool to see him kind of pop up in this way as well and it, fill out the world of this film. Yep. How about mm-hmm. moments? Are there any jokes or, or bits that you found particularly pleasing or funny? Yeah, I liked the tortilla bit. I thought that was yeah. pretty funny. Um, Any time that Hong was pretty much going at the tech bros, I thought were the standouts of that. Yeah. But there was, there's like a reoccurring thing, and you even see it. I, this is one of my favorite posters for the venue, the one that we got up here, because it's him stealing from her plate. And it's just, <laughs> like I was telling you, Nicholas Holt is there even on the days where he doesn't have to do anything. But right. he's still bringing so much in because when it's someone else's scene, right? And you know how the scheduling works. He's mm-hmm. still in the back, kind of like really excited. And yes, he's yes. so oblivious. He reminds mm-hmm. me of uh, a character in Barbarian who's just so ignorant to everything else going on because all he cares about is being noticed by the chef. I, my joke was that it, it's him saying, chef, witness me, just like he yeah. did in Mad Max. But uh, <laughs> it, it's, yeah, his character was so obnoxious. He had the perfect level yeah. of just hilarious at the same time i think the funniest bit for me or at least the most i laughed at any point in this movie was the the tyler's bullshit title card coming up that was really funny (laughs) yeah i I was on and off with the with the title cards but it kind of sets the tone to the movie of what you're watching that yeah you're you're studying these people to a degree 
But um, no, overall, I think it's a it's a very fun movie. I think we're in that year where people have gravitated to series like The Bear, and they're just used to these yeah these kitchens just being a mess, right? One one of my favorite ones that I was able to catch a little late this year from a couple of years ago last year was boiling point a movie yeah. where you're covering a chef who's who, who's yeah it's all being taken place in one long take in this kitchen uh and the intricacies of everybody who comes the critics uh the, the people who fund it if you like the menu i think this is even better so add that Ooh. one to your to your watch list very cool very cool just to talk a little bit about the ending because I've, I've seen some people sort of a, a little bit maybe not maybe dissatisfied or maybe just uh just a little confused that thing that we were talking about about how slovak has gotten to a point where he's only making food for people who don't care i feel like ultimately there's a couple things going on in the ending in that first of all there's what anya taylor joy has to say to him or anya's character margo or i think aaron was a real name uh what margo yeah. says to him is like you haven't satisfied me and it's sort of an an indict while most of the movie is sort of an indictment of audiences this is a moment where they're actually indicting the artist that maybe you also aren't making stuff for me maybe this food is not the type of stuff that actually does feed the masses and maybe to to get the kind of recognition that you want to to have the kind of audience response that you want with your art you have to make things that audiences actually want so i I thought that was sort of like an interesting way to sort of flip a lot of the criticism that's happening in the movie but then it also ends on this really interesting note of her sort of upsetting him he him realizing that it, she's the first person in who knows how long that wasn't satisfied by the experience that he delivered. And she what is his still hungry? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and what are they are both? What are they relate over? They're both in the service industry. They're there to satisfy the customer. So he then uh, makes it his job to satisfy the customer the way that he used to, the way that she knew he used to love because she was in his bedroom and saw the photo of him as the employee of the month flip, flipping burgers. So what does she ask for? She asks for the cheeseburger. And and that she's he's able to provide this service for her the in a way that he hasn't in so long. And that she's the only one who showed up that day just to eat the food, not for any other reason. I think that's ultimately what plays into her actually being allowed to leave the island, that she she is not like the rest and does mm-hmm. not deserve that fate that he's decided for everyone else. Taste. Remember, he don't want you to eat the food. He wants you to taste the food. Yes, yes. But yeah. Um, yeah, when he sees that Bob's Burger throwback of the, <laughs> the aged uh, Ralph, yeah, that was pretty yeah. funny. And I, I get that because I can see it from the director's perspective of, again, of seeing this art that you make become too expensive. There was a documentary that we were talking about. Uh, I believe it was a short from Chicago that I had in my top five about uh, a painter who realized that his paintings have gotten to the point that right. they're all in rich people's houses so his family can't even see. Like they're not even going to museums. They are, they are locked up in private homes. So I love that line that he says because it's not just him saying like the art that I do. He, he What does he say to the guy? He goes, you don't even remember what I served you on my art twist and turns in your stomach, right? Yeah. As you just digest it without the, even knowing what it is. The art, the artist who whose work turns to shit in your stomach or something like that. 
And yeah, it's just realizing that it's like, are you appreciating, you know, you are the rich who can afford it, but can you even appreciate it? And if you can't appreciate it, what, what have I become with my art? Because it's too expensive. You know, he can't mm-hmm. do that for other people because of the ingredients and all that it takes. It's literally only reserved for these people. And it leaves them yeah. at this like point of what to do. And I think, OK, maybe you're making these movies and they're so massive that it becomes out of your control. But I think yeah. the numbers, bro. And I was learning on, on the Alineate thing, too. There's a reason why they drive themselves to suicide. This math doesn't math, bro. They are not making <laughs> money back. Yeah. You think it's a lot. But when you think about it, right, I think. You and I are both cheeseburger people. We're going to go for the cheeseburgers. Yeah. But if we went to Aline at $1,000 a piece, that's a lot. It's ridiculous. Like, I, I wouldn't pay like $100 for a dish. The peak of culinary cuisine in this world is just $1,000? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you see the army of people it takes to prepare stuff like that. That's you, not You showed that picture of that kitchen. Yeah. I don't know, dude. That's that's the thing that had me going in the back. Like even at the end of it, to to provide it for only the only people who can afford it, and even then yeah. you're still not turning the profit. I don't know. It makes you yeah. wonder, dude. It, it, ah, it's crazy. But yeah, I, I did like that part. And yeah, I think at the end it's just saying that the it's the consumer, the person who can appreciate the art, who deserves to continue it forward. I don't know about everyone Absolutely. else having to die, but <laughs> that, that is yeah. that is an existential question, I think, for some. Totally. Totally. What's the best meal you've ever had? Stop, bro. I don't Home cooked meal, bro. With Home love. cooked. With the people no restaurants you. can make the list. They don't provide the same type of love, but yeah. um, if That's I could, I'd say Peter Luger's. I'd say. I, there you go. There you go. I know Anya's right. It's it's not as good if you don't. That's the secret ingredient. You need to cook with love. Yeah. It's, it's um, love. What about you? But it, yeah, if you don't need to taste something with love, I like the blind rabbit. That, that's one of the best meals that I've had. Uh, it's you kind of like get to hit up the yeah. Yeah, it kind of is like in a speakeasy sort of like you have to go through like a hidden wall and and they serve really good drinks and the bone marrow there is really good. I don't know. Mm. Uh, that sounds solid good. meal. Uh, solid solid uh, Jean meal. George. I went to a Jean George once in Vegas Ooh. and Ooh. the filet mignon was this charger. This charger right here was with it was half the size of this charger. So best filming on I've ever had in my life. That's bro. the thing, like the tiny dishes That's do taste thing. good though. They taste real good. I don't know if it's oh. if it's worth all that money, but hey, maybe if it's on somebody it's else's dime. Money. But yeah, if, if Nicholas Holt wants delivers. to take me, I might I might I put would my life gladly on the line. be a gaffer on this list because I know y'all walking the talk and giving it to them too, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh man! Uh, so hey, I season think... two of the Bear. Uh, not getting into spoilers, but it's supposed to get into oh. some more culinary style Mm-mm-mm. things. If they're filming around here in Chicago, I might have just yeah. have to stop at Crafty then. Yeah, absolutely. See if they've uh, they've upped their sandwich game in season two. Let's see. <laughs> see what's on the menu. Yeah. So I think we both uh, do like this movie. Would recommend it. It's a fun it movie theater fun. movie. Worth going out of, out of the home. And there's some really interesting ideas here. Maybe maybe we think the the ideas could have been a little bit more refined and more more solidified. But it's still a movie that you can think about, debate about, have discussions about, and also just enjoy. It's not too have pretentious. This is a Agreed. this is a hamburger movie that has maybe like. A shave of truffle or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's a hamburger movie disguised as a as a as a much Gourmet fancier burger. restaurant. Yeah. Exactly, but it hits. All it right. hits the spot. 
All right, so that's all for this edition of the After Credits. You can follow me, Zach Shevich, on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd, at ZShevich, that's Z-S-H-E-V-I-C-H, and check out my YouTube or TikTok channels, at Multiplex Show Artwork, and people find more from you. You can find me over at LME Explain on Twitter, on YouTube, on Letterboxd, and at any restaurants that y'all recommend down below. Because yeah. I'm a, I'm a person where I hit a new spot, I am kind of like Nicholas Hull. I need a picture. I need to try yep. it. You know me. When we go to places, I'm we trying the Google one of each lists. on the menu. Absolutely. So you got to do it. So let me know down yeah. below. Uh, let us know your favorite you. meals, uh, especially if they're restaurants that we can check out. I, I, uh-huh. I would Don't love to hear house, about, bro. yeah, I would love <laughs> to hear about like meals. your mom's special recipe, but I'm probably not going to try it. So <laughs> oh, I, I, it's a funny story out of the podcast. But yeah, you can uh, hear me reviewing all of those recommendations every week here on the Intercut Podcast. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, your favorite podcatcher. I happen to like Overcast and then make sure you're not subscribed just to the audio feed, but to the video feed as well, where you can catch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of the weekend must watch on the Intercut Podcast channel Mondays. And be sure to leave us a comment, like the video. Consider heading to iTunes to give us that much requested five star review like our facebook our instagram our twitter pages you can support our patreon too they're all at intercut pod and you can find updates throughout the week from art from me from all the guests that we feature here on intercut and be sure to head over to the discord where we're constantly talking about movies we even got a spoiler chat going for the menu so if this wasn't enough menu talk Take it to the Discord, and we'll keep talking about the movies. But that's all for this show. Thanks for tuning in, and until next time, the word mouthfeel doesn't have very good mouthfeel. It's too moist. <laughs>